Aussie Tech Heads is brought to you by startnewcompany.com.au. Register your company fast, easy, and direct with ASIC. All documentation is provided and held in your account for downloading at any time. If you're an accountant or other professional, you're also able to brand all documents with your company name. Coming soon, ABN, TFN, and Trusts. Special discount for ATH listeners. At the cart, use ATH20 for a $20 discount. And athwebhosting.com.au. Servers operate on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and easy install of WordPress, Joomla, and Drupal. Welcome to episode 670 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 12th of March, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How goes it? I got you on the right side this time, which is the left side, but it's the right and still pointed the right direction is what I mean. (laughs) How's things? Uh, Not too bad. Not too bad. It's actually like less than 30 degrees here for the first time in like eight months. (laughs) Oh, so there's that. I mean, that's so, pretty good. Yeah, it's, I'm it's, a bit, little bit sweaty here, but not too bad. It's bearable, you know. You can. I don't have to have every fan I own turned on. <laughs> Any luck with getting the air conditioners fixed? <clears throat> nah, it's a. Yeah. It's a next year that's, that's wheel a, thing. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. I got to. Good on your future wheel. You can handle that. <laughs> I got to get the lawn mode first. Uh, I'll have to do mine that's next week. Challenge in and of itself. It grows a bloody a foot a week at the moment. Are you setting up a remote controlled one or something at one stage? Yeah, I started that. It's 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 still, it's still a work in progress. He's called Cam. <laughs> yeah, well, he can almost he can mow like he mows about two strips and then he's exhausted. <laughs> yeah, you'll go, Dad. <laughs> yeah, not much further. He'll be able to do it. <laughs> you got quite a lot of grass, haven't you, at your place? Uh yeah, we've got a fairly big block, and the problem is it's only really the front yard and the backyard that's actually lawn the rest is just that bloody blady grass and stuff that just pops up everywhere so yeah. it's all brush cutter work so it's just a lot of effort how's he go with the brush cutter <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> I, I, let, it's a, I don't let him use that yet <laughs> not quite not well yet. <laughs> no that's not true i let him use it but he hasn't figured out how to use it yet like he doesn't actually cut the grass with it he just sort of waves it around in the air like a wand yeah. <laughs> so that's prone to failure. <laughs> uh, everything else doing all right so, then? Oh, we're plodding along, you know. Keeping busy and all that. It's um things are obviously being quiet with the uh the coronavirus affecting imports and affecting everything and chain of command. Toilet so. paper pasta. Yeah. yeah. But you see the funny funny announcement from Woolies. No, you'll not get a refund on your mm-hmm. 20 packets of toilet paper and 50 packets of pasta. You have to keep them now, lol. Yep, they've all said that, basically. Which, yep. under the consumer law, is perfectly fine. You're not um, on food items and and uh, consumables. Um, yeah. For hygiene reasons, they're not required to accept a refund. So. Sell them for 50 cents on eBay, people. It's your only chance left now. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I don't know. I mean, there's still shortages. Yep. So people are still crying out for them, apparently. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, it's absolutely <laughs> stupid. You know, it's not like you need to have four wo- four weeks worth of food sitting around in case you do get put into, you know, quarantine. Like the guys in Italy, uh, I've got some friends over there at the moment, and they're saying that Italy's progressively getting quarantined. And um, they're basically... Yeah, only told, supermarkets and uh, hospitals open now. Pretty much, Everything else yeah. is going to be shut down every other shop and business. Um, and they basically said, you know, make sure you've got yourself, you know, four weeks worth of food because there's no guarantee that, you know, even in a week's time, the supermarkets are going to be open, so... Yep. You know, it's not that... Buy all that olive oil and pizza dough and pasta. Well, I mean, we've got a chest freezer, so we've probably got, honestly at least two or three weeks worth of food in the chest freezer, you know, but... Um, if they have a quarantine Ipswich, you'll be fine. Yeah, pretty much. The problem is, and I understand why they're doing it, a lot of people are going, oh, if there's no infections, why are they doing it? The reason they're doing it is not that coronavirus itself, it's just a form of pneumonia you can easily enough, you can recover from, unless you're incredibly young or old, you're basically going to guaranteed to recover from it. The problem is that the number of people who potentially because it's a 27 day incubation period and then another week like 27 days incubation without symptoms and then another week or two with symptoms 
and then it affects you. So the problem is that the reason they want to quarantine people is so that they don't have, in three weeks' time, every second person rocking up to the hospital because the hospitals just can't cope with that volume of people. So if they can contain it and let people trickle through, the virus itself isn't the issue. It's the treatment is quite demanding and having everybody at the same time. There's simply not enough resources not to enough maintain tests it. Either. You know? Well, that's it too, but there's just not enough just not enough resources to handle 50,000 people rocking up to a single hospital all of a sudden. You know, they just can't do it. So Maybe that's... continually cutting <clears throat> medical funds is not a good idea for the government after all. Oh, you don't worry about that. <laughs> so, but it, it, it's more the fact that, yeah, they're just trying to... Um, minimize the impact it's not it's not the big deal that everybody's making it out to be it's it is annoying and it's frustrating sometimes but it's not there's there's far worse you know there's there's far worse things happening in the world every day than that you know there's more people die of suicide every day than die of that you know so it's in in, on the scale of things it's something like 0.0002 percent of the population or something is affected by it but it's the mass hit that could come at the end of it. That's the that's what they're trying to prevent. So, mm. but yeah, um, you know that's that's hurting us. But that's hurting everybody. We're not alone in that boat. Lot, lots and lots of business. Every, everyone, every business I speak to, every business owner or you know anybody who's who's involved in the community, they're all saying exactly the same thing. You know that it's just hurting them in in unexpected ways. Like there's one person I'm speaking to. They manufacture all this stuff that they send out. They manufacture from end to end. I said, yeah, but you order the stock in. They're like, oh, yeah, we get it from Aussie suppliers. I'm like, yeah, I bet you do, but I bet you they get it from overseas. Sure enough, they rung their suppliers and said, hey, where's their stock actually coming from? They said, oh, it's coming from China or where it's coming from. And they're like, oh, well, okay, then we'll just buy all the stock you've got so that we don't run out because they're a manufacturer, you know. So it's, um, it's hurting businesses in really bizarre ways. Um, I was talking to um, our Cameron's um, kindy teacher and they're saying it's just weird some of the supplies they're having trouble getting and it's not things you'd think like cleaners or sanitizers or hand or um, you know alcohol wipe that sort of stuff you think that'd be hard to get no they're not having problems getting that they're having problems getting things like rubber gloves and um, um even even things like um you know the booties you put on your shoes to keep your your shoes clean when you mop yeah. the floor and that sort of stuff weird stuff that you wouldn't think you would have a problem with you know can't get it depends where it comes from <laughs> yeah exactly so um, if this keeps up i'm gonna have to start working from home <laughs> oh, wait <laughs> I'm gonna, have to move, I'm gonna have to move into home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to stay down this end of the house. <laughs> yeah, quarantine the quarantine the dog up the other end. Yeah, our company <laughs> has done that. They've made it mandatory that everyone has to work from home. Well, I mean, whether you did before or not. I was gonna say most of your staff did anyway, so it's not that much of a big deal. So we do have offices like Sydney and San Francisco and London, yeah, I mean, Japan. They, they want everyone who can to work out of them. They skeleton staff at the best of times, weren't they? Probably. Hey, yeah. Jordan. <laughs> so you know. Uh, but today I was having something interesting. My daughter was complaining that she she wanted to install an expansion pack for a game of hers, right? And it was taking so long. It was downloading at two megabits a second. I was like, oh, bloody US servers or something is coming from servers that are overloaded. And um, I thought I'll do a quick speed test on a computer. She was getting four megabits a second down nice. on 140 NPM. <laughs> I was like, what? So I thought, oh, there's something going wrong at the moment. So I ran speed test on my phone and got 94. So I was like, well, there's something dodgy there. Mm. And um, so I thought she's she's using the Ethernet over power. So I thought, oh, I'll reset the adapters at each end. Did that, had a look, and it said syncing at one gigabit up and down. So that should be fine. Did the speed test, still about four. So I thought, what the heck's going on here? So I got a um, network 
Ethernet cable, ran it from the lounge room all the way down the hallway into her bedroom, plugged it in, and we started getting 13. I was like, well, that's better than four, but it's still not ideal. So um, I went out to Officeworks and got a um, dual-band Wi-Fi card, plugged that in, and now she gets 92. So the onboard cards. Well, I've actually had that happen with um, on my old computer. Uh, the same thing. The the in the built-on card just refused to have any sort of speed about it. I'd put a PCI yeah, card in, and it was fine. It's weird because her mum's been using that computer. She used it for three years before she gave it to our daughter. Mm. She had no problems. She does gaming, World of Warcraft and all online gaming, no problems. She plays that nearly every day and watches movies and streams and stuff. Yep. But as soon as we got it up here, maybe it doesn't like my Orbi. I don't know. Yeah, it's exactly but, the same as mine. Like that, my previous computer to this one, same thing. It worked fine for a couple of years and then... It just stopped it, working. I had to get a PCI card. And I was like, do you have like really slow ping time or? and lag and stuff in gaming? Oh, yeah, I just thought that was normal for this computer. I was like, well, the, the ping for the speed test was like 30 or something like that. And then I put in the Wi-Fi card and now it's like 7. Mm. It's so, I don't know if the chips go bad or if they just get too hot being bounced onto the motherboards or I don't yeah, know. I, I tried new drivers. I tried mm. different cards and stuff. I've had a lot of problems with onboard um, network. It's like when I got this system built, I got a external. I got a board that doesn't have a built-on network card and put an external network card in because I've just had a really bad run with internal network cards. Yeah, I thought it was just me because I've never heard of anybody else talking about it before. Yeah. <laughs> The weird thing was that the computer she had before, she gave to her friend up in Cairns after we updated a couple of bits on it. He, he bought a um, SSD and put in there, and uh, I put in a Wi-Fi card that I had spare in the shed. And um, he was having no problems. She used to use that, and it was plugged into exactly the same Ethernet over power, and it was doing 90. Mm. So it's got to be the onboard one you're talking about. But yep, I wouldn't have expected uh, it. I had a cable go bad the other day. The cable, like, and one of the shortest ones I've got, my my router is about, I can almost reach it. It's just there. There's a yep. cable running from my router across where my light bar is and down the wall into my PC. It's <laughs> I don't know, three meter cable, maybe. Works and fine. It's been there for however long I've had this set up here, three years. Yeah. I haven't had a problem. The other day, I come in, no network access. I'm like, <laughs> what? And look at the thing, and I couldn't access the router. And I'm like, what's going on? Look up there, and there's no lights on the router, and no lights on the back of the network card. What? What? <laughs> Grabbed the cable and wiggled it, and nothing. And pulled the cable out and checked. There's no corrosion or anything on it. Plugged it back in. Nothing. Yeah. Grabbed another cable, plugged in. Worked fine. <laughs> look at this guy. I'm like, so what's happened in the meantime? I'm like, why? It, it's <laughs> what? <laughs> it it degraded. <laughs> It went from working perfectly that night to not working the next morning. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, it, well, it hasn't, it's got no bends, it's got no kinks, it's just, it just went, no, nah, I'm not working anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, I don't understand that working. <laughs> Who like would a, do computers? It's, it's like a ridiculous a, I, I, job. It's not like I used to be a computer tech or anything, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why when, when a hard drive... <laughs> wouldn't boot up and uh, wouldn't start the BIOS before I took it to the tech and I said, hey, this is your problem now. Mm. You tell me when it's fixed and I'll give you the money because screw if I'm going to play around with yeah, it anymore. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, should we do some noose? Uh, we probably should. More than two years after winning an electricity bet, Elon Musk's resulting Australian solar and wind farm is almost a total success. The facility powers rural South Australia, whose population density falls between Wyoming and Alaska, the two least dense U.S. states. In 2016, South Australia experienced a near-total blackout after an apocalyptic storm involving 80,000 lightning strikes and at least two tornadoes. In the aftermath, the conservative politician blamed the push for renewable energy to the extent of the blackouts, because that makes a difference. Yeah. For those even passingly familiar with Musk and Tesla's online presence, the rest won't be surprising. The head of batteries at Tesla said he was sure the company could do better. An Australian billionaire asked if he was serious and Musk jumped 
Musk jumped in to promise his team was. The rest is history. Musk reached his goal 40 days early and the Australian billionaire funded the project as promised. We can argue about whether or not private citizens should have to rely on a billionaire and angel investor to get a steady supply of power or make the shift to renewable energy. But in this case, the bet benefited a short-change rural population beginning almost immediately. Just 1.7 million people live in South Australia, which is a nice size to consider a test market for technology like this. Rural grids tend to be left behind because the ratio of required hardware and infrastructure is still so high per consumer, much more so than a big city, where the same short length of wiring could power thousands of homes. And building a facility that acts as a battery can help smooth out the natural ebbs and flows that come both from renewable energy technology and from the spread out, failure-prone nature of more rural grid sections. This smoothing has saved South Australians a ton of money, already much more than the $50 million cost that Tesla passed on to its Australian investor. The battery facility reduced network costs by about $76 million in 2019. And uh, Bloomberg explained savings Heron... Neon's head development in Australia said would be passed on to businesses and households in the state. Yeah, yeah, right. Batteries introduction also slashed the cost to regulate, regulate South Australia's grid by 91%, bring it in line with other regions in the nation. Yep. It's, um, the, it was such a pathetic fight over nothing. The stupid part was two years before it happened, Elon Musk, because couple of years prior they were having issues in summer and whatever the they were you know getting power surges and stuff and Elon Musk said look I can sort it out for you just let us know and I'll give you a whole heap of you know power packs yep and I'll do it for free and if it yeah. takes longer than however yeah, many days that's it and they're like oh no it's fine we've got it sorted two years later the entire grid goes down and then again Musk says well look I can I can help you out no no we've got it and then like a week later they finally gave in and you know, by that time he had the shits and he put his price up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. Well, the, go- the government was like, oh, the electricity stopped because it's coming from solar yeah. and wind. No, it stopped because the towers with the wires on it fell down That's and the right. wires snapped in half. You can't, even if you had it coming from coal, it wouldn't make a lick of difference. No, that, that was what the funniest the part about it. It, there's blowing a gale and the wind turbines are working at 100% efficiency and they're saying that the, there's no power because of the wind turbines. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're just idiots. People don't understand how things work. and then they Sounds just, like BS to me, Mr. T. Yeah. You know, there's so much... Energy distribution is a very complicated thing. Unless you understand all aspects of it from production, distribution... Uh, efficiencies, inefficiencies, what causes power losses, what, you know, what sort of transmission and percentage losses, um, how power surges and power fluctuations occur, peak demand, all that sort of stuff. It's quite complicated. It's very, okay, it's very simple, but it's a very detailed process. It's all math. And once you do the math on it, it always works. The problem is to to everybody's too busy arguing whether solar's better or wind's better or nuclear's better or coal's better. No one cares. Do the math on the system, make the math work, and then figure out which way you want to go. Yeah. You know, so make the, make the grid reliable, make it bulletproof, make it do its job, and then once it's doing that, you can figure out how you're going to adapt it once it's up and running. But that might you know. cut, cut into my mega profits and I won't be able to buy my fourth yacht. That's exactly the problem. That They're so busy penny-pinching and charging us. Like, I did a quick calculation with some figures that were released um, for shareholders and stuff like that on some of the power companies. And basically, our the average production cost is about one cent per kilowatt hour. Yep. Depending on what your plan you're on, you're being charged anywhere from five and a half, six cents up to as high as twelve cents, depending on which variety you're with and benefits and perks and stuff. So at the absolute minimum, which is about five and a half cents I think per kilowatt hour, they're making five hundred and fifty percent profit on the lowest <laughs> the that's the lowest amount they're making. Yeah. 
you know, and that was a very, very overestimated amount at, at one cent per kilowatt hour. So it's potentially far less than that. Yeah. Um, and what people don't realize, they think, oh, I'll get solar, it'll help reduce my power bill. It does, but you get shafted in the process because you get paid nothing like what it produces. But the thing is, you're not only doing that, you're taking the load off the grid, which means they can spend even less money. So, they'll sh- you know, they turn off substations or they shut down power stations or reduce the load on power stations so that they cost less to run. So not only are you being shafted with the amount of money they're paying you, because technically if you're paying, if you're paying, you know, you should be getting paid at, at least what they would be charging, not what they want to pay. And then <laughs> you should be paid more than that because you just saved them money because they've managed to shut, reduce the output load on another power station. So, yeah, you know, it, it's... It's not a black art. It's all maths. The whole system from end to end is maths. And if you want to understand the maths, you understand the system. The problem is, they want to make it. They want to make it seem complicated and difficult and political and and, and everything else. But it's really not. Just to protect the profits. It's the same as the NBNs. Exactly the same. Same principle. You got X amount of throughput. X amount of houses requiring that throughput. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not hard. <laughs> You know, so, but yeah, look, it, it, despite what everyone says, it does work. Um, even, a, even like they say it powers 30,000 homes for an hour, which it's not really designed to do so much. It's mainly designed to say when they have a heat wave and everybody turns their air conditioners on. So it's not really powering 30,000 homes, it's powering an extra one or 2% load for 100,000 homes. So that's sort of more, it's more like a giant buffer, really. Plus, it um, um, can supply it straight away, whereas if you need it from a right. coal station, you have to spin them up, which can take a couple of hours to get it up to the speed. Yep. By then, the sun started heading down. You don't need it anymore. So That's it. That's that's what I mean. Like It's acting as a buffer between the power available and the power they can produce. Yep. Um, it gives them time to adjust that buffer, you know, so it's it's not, you know, it's very simple. And as, we, as we know, the um, Australian energy places have said, if it wasn't for the solar, their their supply on the grid wouldn't have been able to keep up with the demand. Well, I remember Brisbane 10, 15 years ago, we had a, every day for a week, we had a blackout in the middle of summer because yep. at 10 o'clock, everybody turned their aircons on and it just overloaded the grid and shut the grid down. Yep. We had rolling blackouts every day for a couple of weeks. And then we had... The, we had a change in weather and stuff and it all sort of went away but the following year or a couple of years later they started the 22 cent solar rebate to encourage people to put solar on their roof and even from the very first year that applied we never had any more rolling blackouts yep. they didn't spend any more money on infrastructure no <laughs> they just made us bolster Paid their infrastructure <laughs> you're the buffer son you're the buffer yeah exactly Mate, that's why they charge, like, if you've got a house and the line runs past your house, even if you're not, even if you're completely off grid, they want to charge you money to have access to the line, even if you're not using it, because they're relying on you effectively, um, saving their ass. Yeah, you're effectively adding, like, if you weren't off grid, if you had a six kilowatt system on grid, you would be putting that back into the grid. Yeah. So it's um yeah, but I mean that's the same. All that's what that's what companies do, I suppose, make money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's water or power or privatize all the NBN things. Or, yeah, but then again, is it any better if the government owns it? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, does that does that pro- that doesn't really promise you anything else anyway, does it? you know so but I mean yeah it's one of those things like you it's the less the less it's like um, I remember it was an American report but it was the same principle talking about how much money they're making uh, ISPs are making on the internet um, 
because the infrastructure is in place and yeah. they've paid for the infrastructure four or five times over and it's not like they're spending any extra money upgrading it or anything it's just sitting there yet they're yeah. charging the same amount of money all the time you know it's just it's just pure profit because there's no money being spent it's um, like when you put in the toll on the road so you can build a new road and then once it's paid off you're just like well i just leave the toll there it seems to be fine yeah that's right you know it, but yeah that, that's well that's what happens with the gateway and the logan motorway and stuff here like they're supposed to be told for 10 years or 12 years or, or whatever it was and the toll was supposed to come off and it was supposed to be open road but their excuse is every couple of years they spend another few million dollars on upgrading the road so they add like a set of white lines over there or something and call it an upgrade <laughs> and they keep the tolls on it paint's expensive <laughs> okay admittedly they did build another gateway bridge but that's probably the biggest <laughs> undertaking they did yeah so yeah um so uh, well, what have I done? Oh, that's your story. I'm reading a story and going, why doesn't that story make any sense? It's the one you just read. And the... We're professionals, damn it. <laughs> Speaking of Elon Musk, <coughs> he, um, SpaceX internet from space should be good enough for online gaming. Uh, Elon Musk estimates that Starlink will only serve 3 to 4% of the population um, that telcos can't currently cater for. Um, but it will have enough capacity to watch high-definition videos, play online games without the user noticing speed issues. Nice. Uh, the entrepreneurs told a conference the Starlink Space Network will have a latency of about 20 milliseconds, which is up there, but still perfectly fine. I mean, if you play a game from Australia, you play on an American server, you're getting that or more anyway. So, yeah. Um, but he said due to the size of the cells of the satellites, it will only be good for low-density environments rather than high-density urban areas which are already well serviced by broadband and cellular networks. SpaceX launched a batch of 60 Starlink satellites in mid-February. has another 60 ready to launch in March. Uh, it's launched 300 Starlink satellites into a low-Earth orbit since May 2019. Musk estimates that 800 satellites will provide moderate coverage in North America and expects a global coverage by 2021. Um, That's pretty quick. Yeah, it's not a bad rollout. Starlink isn't, in, uh, isn't intended for blanket coverage of North America uh, and the rest of the world. He thinks uh, space delivered broadband has potential value of about $30 billion. I want to be clear, it's not like Starlink is some huge threat to telcos, he said. In fact, it will be helpful to telcos because Starlink will serve the hardest to service customers that telcos otherwise have trouble dealing with, landlines or even cell radio stations. Uh, he said it'd be suitable for the three to four percent of the population who are hardest to reach through in interest through terrestrial networks uh, for customers with no or very bad connectivity. So yeah, I mean that's the thing. Even we have at the moment, we got like the SkyMaster satellite and a couple of the older ones. Um, they're at max capacity now, but it seems that. Um, a lot of people like they've got really bad latency like my sister's on she's not on the Skymaster they're on the um, on the older one and they've got you know somewhere sometimes upwards of 100 milliseconds up to I've seen 300 millisecond you know return pings yep so it's impossible for gameplay um, if he can get that sort of low latency, which would be, I don't know quite how he's going to have such low latency on that. But if they can do that, that'll be that'll be great for satellite. Because that's always been the downfall of satellite. The speed's not generally an issue because it, you know, it, it, it's, it, you can use a relatively low speed, as long as you're not watching HD video or something, you can generally get away with a relatively low speed. Yep. But ping for gameplay and even VoIP, like to talk to my sister on the phone, Dad said it's like a walkie-talkie. You've almost got to stay <laughs> over after every sentence so you know where one started and the next one finished. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's horrible. Um, so I think that's, you know, and knowing him, it'll be the cheapest possible price that'll make it function. You know, he seems to do that with a lot of his stuff. Um, like people say, oh, Tesla's expensive, but it, it's not really. 
they don't make much on them. You look at their you look at their um, statistics released to their investors and stuff. I can't remember what the percentage is, but it's way lower than just about everybody else. You know, it's only you know five to ten percent or something, which is nothing realistically. Yeah. Um, but it'd be the same on this. You know, they'll probably offer unlimited data at you know whatever. So, but it'd be good. They can put them in the hard to reach areas, and people can have internet that you know they don't have to pay a fortune for hopefully i don't know whether or not oh. the only thing that i don't know that i doesn't say in here and i haven't found all the ones that i'm currently talking about was um america and american sort of owned um land masses so i don't know whether it will be a worldwide thing i'm assuming it would be oh okay eventually as soon as they're releasing whatever it was how many it was 200 or no 800 you'd have to yeah. imagine 800 to be a worldwide thing i can't imagine 800 just being a u.s nah. thing so i don't know should have it's, some good world coverage for it's very important that you don't need a specialist yourself to install the goal is that the instructions in the box uh well there's just two instructions and they can be done in either order at a point in the sky and plug it in <laughs> 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 so that'll be good because that's the other problem with satellites at the moment you need tuning equipment to pinpoint it and line up where it's got to go you need an installer to do it all run the cables but this one they're using um, they're using actuator so literally once you plug it in it'll actually actuate to where it needs to go and find and do everything it needs to do which is pretty cool didn't you do that with your solar panels same principle yep. it hunts for the hunts for the target and stays there so it's great technology yep what do you got just after just over a month after uber received california department of motor vehicles license to test driverless cars on public roads the company has resumed autonomous testing in san francisco why not when i was there <laughs> Uber says it will limit its time on the road to a few weeks while it completes a code base and infrastructure update. And that two of its Volvo XC90 prototypes will be deployed initially, each with a pair of safety drivers in the front seats. Previously, Uber was <laughs> manually funny. testing up to eight cars in San Francisco with safety drivers and co-pilots. <clears throat> Starting today, Uber's cars will drive on San Francisco routes at posted speed limits only during daylight hours. Importantly, they won't pick up passengers because Uber's license is different from the California Public Utilities Commission permit. Companies must obtain to transport passengers in autonomous vehicles. Only six companies, GM's Cruise Aurora, Auto X, Pony AI, Waymo and Zooks have permits under CPUC's pilot program with Zooks the first to receive one in December 2018. We're excited to resume autonomous testing in Uber's home city this week, said an Uber spokesperson. Our testing area will be limited in scope to start, but we look forward to scaling up our efforts in the months ahead and learning from the difficult but informative road conditions that the Bay Area has to offer. San Francisco joins Pittsburgh on the small list of places where Uber is autonomously testing its cars. Safety drivers and co-pilots operate the company's fleets manually in Dallas and Toronto and in Washington, D.C., in Dallas and Toronto, Uber says no more than two of its cars are out on the road during daylight hours. In Washington, D.C., Uber says up to four vehicles are being tested during the day. That's pretty cool. Would you like to try one? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. They got safety drivers there. Mm. Yeah, but are they like the same as a normal Uber driver? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> But they're safer. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind trying one. Like having a taxi or whatever as, as autonomous is fine. Like you know, or a bus driver or whatever. I don't have an issue with that. But I enjoy driving myself. Like I like the act of actually driving a vehicle. So I, for me, to, I, I couldn't imagine actually having an autonomous vehicle you know maybe unless it's two o'clock in the morning and i've um that tired i can't keep my eyes open and okay yeah i can see benefits or or having at least some form of automatic takeover if you fall asleep behind the wheel or something like that i don't have a problem with but i love the idea of just jumping into a vehicle and being able to drive and just go wherever you want and do you know 
You're the kind of crazy mm-hmm. person who drove from Brisbane to Melbourne and back. Twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah. In, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't unheard of, like, you know, for me to jump in the car two o'clock in the morning, get bored, jump in the car and, and um, you know, drive to the beach or something. Like, that's it's just what I do. And I, as I said, I enjoy driving. So there's certainly a place for autonomous stuff. And particularly, you think, you know, pizza delivery or, you know, the Uber food delivery, especially where your passengers aren't human, you know, um, Australia Post and parcel delivery and UPS and all sorts of Yeah, look, I, a lot of that stuff, especially in the middle of the city where it's all 20 or 30 kilometer hour driving anyway, and it's yeah. very low risk. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, okay, then we, then we fall into the category of, okay, well, now suddenly, you know, Uber and whatever is cutting their staff by 20% and but still charging the same amount. So does that now mean, okay, we've now got to charge less for the same service because it's not a person doing it or not paying somebody to do it? You know, yeah. like there's this whole steamroll effect. Um that sort of I guess is unknown because it's not something we we do I mean if you watch if you, if you watch Ready Player One like Domino's has uh, you know the pizza drone that rocks up and delivers pizza you know so the thing is you still pay a $5 delivery fee on your pizza now what about Johnny you know, Cab in Total Recall yeah exactly Total Recall is another one um, that's what I mean like is this suddenly now if I choose to use an autonomous vehicle rather than a manned vehicle, do I pay less for the same service? And how do I give them a one-star rating if they're no... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's... Uh, yeah, I think it definitely has its place. I think we just have to be careful what we allow. Um, the cars at some stage are going to be better drivers than actual people drivers, so... The insurance should be cheaper for them as well. Well, yeah, exactly. The insurance should and they be have cheaper. less safety features because you don't need a front seat or seat belts in the front or well brakes. Well, but you. But the thing is, if it's fully autonomous, you'd keep those seats there and you'd have more passengers. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's such a new area in that guard. I don't know if there's answers for that sort of stuff, and I haven't read much about that. Um, well, it's about time you did. We'll be. Said, uh, I'm Test not, on it next week. Me myself, I I wouldn't have an autonomous vehicle generally. As I said, I wouldn't. And, and the other thing is, they still can't pass that. There was a test done a few years ago, and they put, um, they had a person, and they had like a deer, a dog, a pram, and something else, or another vehicle, I think, all on the road. And they made it impossible to the point where it was going to have to hit something. Yep. Uh, and how did choose what the 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 computer couldn't continually make the same decision. Like it would always choose whatever was going to protect the occupants of the vehicle most. So yep. depending on like at first they thought, oh, it's hitting the deer every time, but. But then they realise if they shuffle the position of these things around, either then it hit the car every time or it hit the kid every time. Like it was, it was going to hit whatever was causing the less damage to the occupants of the vehicle. How many kids did they go you through? <laughs> oh, enough, probably. <laughs> but that, that's the thing; like it doesn't have that that moral decision as a driver of a vehicle. Like you're gonna every time you're probably gonna hit the animal. You know, yep. it's it's the least. Of the, it's the least of the hard decisions to make, yep. you know. But a computer is not necessarily going to do that. It's going to hit whatever protects the occupants the most. So it might well run over the kid or the pram or, you know what I mean. Uh, it's an unknown. <laughs> so that's something that they've still got to sort of work on. Yeah. But um, but for delivery stuff, yeah, I I I think it's fine. I don't. Have you probably problem. wouldn't even need to own one yourself because you just press the button like the Uber. Yeah. The car turns up. It turns so, it, yeah. it, it would, yeah, it'd be the ultimate in, what do they call it, not ride share, what's that, um, they have it in the UK, they have the car share thing where somebody books a car for, you know, two hours of a morning and two hours of afternoon and somebody else books it and they, the garage share or something like that where they, 
they drop All it right. off at somewhere else and someone else picks it up and takes it somewhere else like and the ultimate in that really yep um sounds good for worker people especially you could have a meeting or something while you're going to work well yeah i mean i could imagine that like in a limo but i mean that's what limos are for yeah depends on what level of <laughs> you work at in the company if you're janitor you might not be able to take the limo this week but see then again it's different to like you look at the states like you go to new york or something like that or san fran the amount of taxis there i mean i haven't been there but i've you know, read statistics on it and the number of taxis in i think it's in new york outweighs cars like 40 to 1 or something like it's just yeah, the entire town's full of taxis so in yep. that situation, I guess it's not going to make that much of a difference given that not that many people drive, not that many people have garages or car parks anyway. You know, so it's not really probably going to make a huge difference whether they get a driver who's a person or whether it's an autonomous driver. As long as they get to where they're going, they're spending, going to spend half their time in traffic anyway. So it's probably yep. not that much of a big deal. They said um, it was interesting in a study recently, they found out Uber you would think would take more cars off the road, but it's actually put more on. There's a lot yeah. of people who are just driving up and down the strips, just waiting for someone to pick up and drive down this way and then do a loop around the city and, oh, somebody wants to get picked up and then they go. But normally there would just be cars sitting in the garage, not going anywhere, but because they want to be the one that gets picked for the Uber rides, they just keep circling the city and driving up and down the strip, hoping... So they end up having more cars on the road doing that every day. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And I mean, you, but that makes it worse again because you've still got the problem where no one's got a car park. And so yeah. now there's actually more traffic being added to the road. And now there's that other one that, um, I can't think of what it's called, but there's another Itsy or something, another one started up, I noticed the other day. Uh, so yeah, there's one guy, I changed the battery in his car yesterday and he had both of them. He had Uber and he had the other one, so he's doing both of them. <laughs> In the in the US they got Uber and Lyft, but now they're advertising Didi. Didi, that's it. That's the one yeah. that they they got. Yeah, this guy had an Uber sticker and a Didi sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not sure how that works. Well, I was like, I was talking to my friends from work, and I was like, let me just check how many Ubers are in my little town here. Yeah. <laughs> None. Fancy that. It's <laughs> surprising. We've actually got a couple here, which I was. We've actually got more Ubers here than we've got taxis. <laughs> yeah we got one taxi and about four ubers it's quite funny well, there, are, there are a lot of taxi drivers that do the uber thing as well they now do, because yeah. they can't get enough work through their own taxi company well, so a lot of people who were running taxis have switched to uber now because taxis are so expensive yeah um the the fee and get... everything that goes with it you know um so a lot of them now and the other thing is too you can only run a taxi for so long before you've got to retire it but they can now use those and turn them into Ubers and not have a problem. Yeah, especially um, if they're gas. Well, the Prius is a classic example in the Camry Hybrid. Yeah. A lot of taxi companies now, what they used to do when they got to their time frame was they'd sell the cars off uh, for cheap. You know, a couple of grand you could pick up a ex-taxi Prius yep. for, three grand, something like that. Um, but now they're not. They're hanging on to them because they know if they sell them, they're going to be picked up by Uber drivers. Yep. So <laughs> they're not selling. It's really hard to find a secondhand, an ex-taxi now, unless you know people, um, because they're worried about, yeah, they don't want to sell them to people because Uber drivers are paying them and making a fortune on them. <laughs> so I thought that was quite funny because one of my customers, one of my clients is a, a taxi depot and they had a million prices at the back the other day. I'm like, haven't you guys sent those to auction yet? Like, no, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> we'll sell them we're just going to gonna let them rust <laughs> they'd prefer to do that than to than to sell them um, there you go capitalism for you yeah. I mean if you know the people like, like they'd sell them to people they know who aren't going to run their manoeuvre you know they sell them to staff and stuff like that for a couple of grand you know I'll buy one every week for personal use promise <laughs> I won't sell it or anything that's it so it's um, well that's where I got my Camry from Paid three grand yep. for a you know hybrid Camry. You know, I can still turn around and sell it for ten. Like it's still worth ten grand now, but uh, you know for three grand, why would I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. It's it's really funny. Um, but yeah, I was surprised that the um, the one thing that surprises me actually in that is Uber Eats. They must get so annoyed. <laughs> 
because like, at work we don't have much of a choice if we want food we've either got to go for a drive for 20 minutes to get it or I can get Uber Eats yeah um, but like literally I can order from the other end of Ipswich for a six ninety nine delivery fee so I don't know if the takeaway is paying on top of that but if yeah. they're only making seven bucks and it takes them 20 minutes to drive and the other day I was watching the map that popped up and this person actually was literally at the opposite end of Ipswich drove all <laughs> the way to the other end to pick it up and then came almost back to where they were to drop it back <laughs> off like it must have been a 45 minute round trip for him for six ninety nine. Yeah. like <laughs> I can't see that. <laughs> I'm probably lucky we don't have any of that here. I was talking to the guys from work and one of them's like, oh, I got up the, yesterday morning and couldn't be bothered making breakfast. So I said to the wife, you want McDonald's? Yep, okay. Yeah. McDonald's will be here in 20 minutes. Don't worry about it. Well, some of them deliver. Like some in our area, some of the Red Roosters and McDonald's and stuff deliver independently of Uber. Oh, okay. But their menu prices are cheaper when you go through Uber than if you order through their own service. <laughs> Somehow. I don't know how that works. Um, but I'm, I get Subway. I get like two, like if I'm ordering a meal, I'll get, usually get two like footlongs, but I get like the tuna or the pizza, which are like six ninety five for a footlong sub. Yep. So for like, what, 18 bucks including delivery, I can get two footlongs you know, and uh, drink like an orange juice or an apple juice and delivered for like 18 bucks. Like, nice. It cost me more than that to jump in the car and drive down there to go and get it, you know. Especially if you don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right, you know. So, yeah. yeah, anyway, a couple of quick stories. Seen as well, I've got a heap, but there's just a couple of quick ones I just found interesting. The Dutch government, we know how the Dutch are, you know, they're veered. Mm-hmm. If you've ever watched Austin Powers, you know exactly how the Dutch are. Um, the Dutch government loses hard drives with data of 6.9 million registered donors. How do you do that? External hard drives stored all donor data from February 98 to June 2010. It's on eBay. <laughs> the Dutch government said it lost two external hard drive storage devices that contained the personal data of more than 6.9 people. 6.9 people, yeah. almost 7 people (laughs) 6.9 million organ donors the hard drive store electronic copies of all donor forms filled with the Dutch donor registry Um, the disks were last used in 2016 and were placed inside a secure vault for storage apparently Uh, as they rotated to using newer drives which is good practice Authorities discovered that the two discs had gone missing earlier this year when they purged old donor register papers and wanted to remove their electronic copies. The discs, which had also been destroyed, were no longer present in the vault and cannot be found. <laughs> donor details from more than... Yeah, so some are believed to have passed away and are now missing. Uh, this includes details such as first and last names, gender, date of birth, address, time and date of the form, choice of organ donors, ID numbers, a copy of the user's signature. Dutch officials claim they've seen no evidence of anybody had tried to use the data. Furthermore, they said because the donor forms don't include copies of Dutch IDs and other official documents, the data is very unlikely to be of any use for identity theft. Huh? It includes their <laughs> name, address, birth date, and gender. How that's not an identity. like literally the definition of an identity theft. <laughs> oh, dear. News of the, of the lost disc came to light yesterday when Hugo de Jongo Minister for Health, Wellness and Sport, no, yeah, clearly notified the Dutch Parliament of the incident. Officials never said if the data contained on the drives was encrypted or not. So that's a not. Definitely. Because <laughs> if it was, they would have said it was. <sighs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I've heard of, you know, but the thing is, they didn't just lose them. They lost them from a locked cupboard. Right? <laughs> You know, like <laughs> uh, it fell out of the safe through the back somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Another quick one: Whisper, that app that you've never heard of or never used. Um, <clears throat> that's popular in certain countries like China and a few other countries like that, where you're trying to keep the government from looking at everything. <laughs> it's a anonymous secret sharing app. It failed to keep messages secret or profiles private. 
Millions of users' profiles and highly sensitive details were available online. Uh, the inadvertent data exposure was caused by an open database with no credentials or password protection in place. Where have we heard that before? It's not like it's not like Telstra setting up their database, is it? Like, nah. <laughs> independent researchers came across the data treasure trove, which contained approximately 900 million records spanning back from the app's launch in 2012 to present day. While the records did not include usernames, it included nicknames, ages, ethnicities, genders, hometowns, groups, memberships, some of which are sexual in nature, and location data tied to posts. The location information included coordinates from the last post the user has submitted, which pointed back to specific schools, workplaces, residential neighbourhoods. Once alerted to the open database on Monday, Whisper restricted access and plugged the authentication security gap. It only took them nine, what? No, eight years. Yep. <laughs> Whisper Has came anybody under, heard of security audit? What does that uh, even mean? Whisper came under fire in 2014 after The Guardian revealed how users' locations were being tracked. Even options to disable them didn't work. That sounds like Apple. This wasn't run by Apple, was it? So... I just thought that was funny. It's like, really? Like, you know, <sighs> they just don't learn. They weren't whispering at all. They were shouting, weren't they? Something like that. Um, Avast. Avast, me, my, me, me hearties. Um, disables JavaScript engine and its antivirus following major bug. Not really going to bother reading this, but um, who's, who's using, using JavaScript? <laughs> Panda. Use Panda, you idiots. Yeah, I use although I use Panda pretty much all the time um, yep. on all my systems. Now I've even swapped over the work computers to Panda now. Um, but who's using JavaScript? Seriously, like what? At, at what point? I mean, if you're running Chrome, you can't even. I don't think even now. I think you can't even enable it at all. It was a while there where Java you, could, you can't, but JavaScript runs ah, in sorry, yes. your local computer side. So you're correct. I was thinking of Java. Um, but JavaScript's not really that common anymore either. But apparently now, the if you're running Avast, um, it's now blocked JavaScript from running. I'd say on, probably 70 to 80% of websites in the world have got JavaScript on it. They use it. But Especially it's, Ajax. It, I was going to say, it's mostly just backend stuff. It's not actually like an active component, is it, usually? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan. It runs on, it runs on your computer. Your computer compiles and runs the code. Yeah, well, interprets it. Yeah, so it gets. It, yeah, it's it's run on you. It's run locally, not actually on the website though. So I mean, the, the, yeah, yeah. Like it's not like you see stuff that's embedded on the website. That's separate. That's different. No, the JavaScript will make queries to <coughs> databases and stuff, and then arrange the data on your screen and yeah. pretty formats and stuff. So, so according to this, they're now blocking it on browsers and email clients. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how many websites that breaks. Because you can install a plugin called NoScript. NoScript for um, Firefox and Chrome and stuff, yeah. and then watch all your websites not work anymore. <laughs> it's funny, you know. NoScript does. I did have it. For, um, on, I think I've got it on my Opera browser. I have it on one of my browsers. For uh, I was just curious to see what it did. Yep. And like ninety percent of the websites I visit normally don't really hard. I know they like they loaded quicker, um, and there was less clutter on the screen because obviously it wasn't loading a lot of the uh, the formatting, I guess, or the yep. whatever is running. It's- but it. Um, they seem to be fine. They seem to function perfectly fine. There was a couple that had issues and they complained and there's a couple that complained but still worked and then there's a couple that just, like it was completely broken. It was, <laughs> it was, you couldn't even tell what website it was but I was really surprised how, because I know, I, I, I don't know a lot about web, newer web design. I, the, most of the web design I've got goes way back to when the internet was just a thing and you could dev- design it in like in Netscape Navigator Gold. That was um, fun. Yeah, and since then, the only real experience I've had to it is done through, you know, Joomla or something like that, where it's all just click and play and, you know, that sort of stuff. So I don't know a lot about JavaScript and that, but I do know you notice it when you're not running it. <laughs> Did you ever run Directophilia? 
I know that name. Where do I know it's that a name? Great from? text editor for doing HTML pages text back editor. in the day. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure. I think I literally was like the laziest web developer in the world. Everything I did was drag and drop. <laughs> Current version 5.5, last built in 2018. That's surprising. It looks a lot more updated from when I used it, but I love that little program. <clears throat> I did everything it, by hand. It makes sense if you're just doing a blog page or, you know, you're just doing a basic website. You yeah, don't need fantastic. fancy, you know. I mean, how many of those Geo, how many GeoCity pages do you need, really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Sonos is reversing its course on a plan to brick all trading devices. So if someone wants to give ah. you a used speaker, it will still work for now. Sonos launched its Trade Up program last October. Consumers who ordered a handful of older devices would receive a 30% discount on newer models if they traded in their old versions. Fairly typical program for expensive electronics, all things considered. The company drew customers' ire with one important deviation from others' trade-in programs, though. Although the company does indeed sell refurbished equipment, devices users traded in through the program were destined not to become part of that cycle. Instead, Sonos straight up bricked them. Completing the trade-in process required putting your device in recycle mode, which not only wipes all of the user's personal data, but also permanently deactivates a product. Once a Sonos product has been deactivated, the company says the product cannot be re-added to any system or used to set up a new Sonos system, even if the product has been reset to its old factory settings. And the decision to deactivate it is irreversible. Instead of bringing in old products and refurbishing or selling them, Sonos tells users to bring them into an e-waste center or send it back to Sonos for component recycling. In recent days, however, Sonos quickly removed the recycle mode option from its app, replacing it with a prompt to call customer service. Additionally, the company now says it's working on posting a new trade-in flow to its website, which will remove recycle mode from the process. <clears throat> yeah, there's still an enormous caveat about oldest products. However, Sonos will be ending software updates for certain legacy product lines in May. Yep. Which is their zone players Connect and Connect Amp uh, launched in 2006. Now, I get this is what they should have done. Just stop supporting it. Let people who are using it continue to use it and it'll still work and do what it needs to do. Yep. You don't have to support it, actively support it for people to continue using it. No. I know people still use Windows 3.1 and DOS <laughs> because it works for them. <laughs> they don't a need lot of big companies else. still have XP embedded. Exactly. You know, running their ATMs. Or PE. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly right. They, they, I, I'm sure they copped a huge, huge backlash. backlash. <laughs> you look at, there's a Reddit channel. Um, I completely accidentally stumbled across it the other day about yep. Sonos blocking um, their, their stuff and bricking their stuff. And it was hundreds of pages deep. Like, it was insane. I believe it. <laughs> um, so, why kill a perfectly functioning product? You know, yep. just because you don't want to support it anymore, let... And if really, if you wanted to go one step further, release the old code and let people play with it and let them get more out of the Put product. Put their own firmwares. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> If you're not going to support the product anymore, it's no longer making you any money. It's only going to cost you money. So release the code. Let people <laughs> Apple. <want> to, <laughs> let people who want to play with it play with it, and they might be able to do something even better than what you originally envisioned that product to do. Yeah, you know, it's it's just that this whole uh, this whole built-in app. You know, apps. What's the word? I was going to say adolescence. That's not the right word. Obsolescence. <laughs> obsolescence. <laughs> One letter. One letter. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it really is just stupid. The, the, this society... It's why our garbage dumps are full of crap oh. that's still good. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Uh, most so much of it is still... I mean, I've got an entire... You can't see that side of my computer. But the entire wall is just full of computer parts that yep. work I, I i don't necessarily have a need for them but i'm not going to throw them out there's nothing wrong with them they're just outdated i've got a vz300 that works fine <laughs> yeah exactly you know but like at least if somebody's building a old you know they're building a linux box or they just want to learn programming or they want to learn how to assemble a computer i can go yep. here have this it does actually work it'll tell you if you've put it together properly and if you haven't it'll beep at you you know yep. so 
there's still things to be done with this old technology. The people just throw it out all the time, even phones. People upgrade their phones every 12 months or every two years. What do they do? They throw the other one out or they chuck it in one of the recycling bins, which effectively gets thrown out. Yeah. You know, like I've got a note. I've still got my original Note 2 that I had. It's still it's the work phone. I put a new battery in it every 12 months because you can't get their Samsung batteries for it. You can only get aftermarket pieces of crap that fail after like nine months. Yeah. But still goes. I keep feeding it batteries. Every 12 months, I format it and just clean it up and re-add the username and re-add the handful of apps that I use for work. And it's 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 fine. There's no reason to get rid of it, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm just... Yeah, it's just me. I just hate seeing things thrown out that that are that are scrap or rubbish. But what's rubbish to one person is gold to somebody else. Yeah, you know, you've only got to look on YouTube. I and test by all the crap I put out on my front lawn, waiting for disappears. the hard rubbish collection, <laughs> and it's gone exactly. before they come to pick it up. That's right. You know, but I mean, you've only got to look on YouTube and look at um, upcycling and and people Recycle. building people building chairs and tables and stuff out of recycled material and people upcycling tables and refinishing them you know like there's a guy who one of my favorite ones on there he took a massive big six foot or seven foot long four foot wide dining room table cut a chunk out of the center of it and filled it full of motherboards and modems and network cards and stuff and then poured resin over the top with led lights in it that's absolutely fantastic you know that that is what you do with old components. You don't chuck stuff out. It's just... turn your monitor in a fish tank. Yeah, well, the old um, how many Mac Classics got that treatment? Right. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, I converted two of them. <laughs> uh, those were yeah, it's those. fun. But yeah, it, I just hate. I just I hate stuff that's still functioning and still perfectly usable, having a forced end of life. Yeah. It's just uh, you no know, need for it. No, it, it's so so wasteful and so you know so horrible. But I don't there's know. a lot of people who can't afford the latest shiny thing who would just love to have like iPhone three or four well, or five. Even look at there's a really good documentary um, on Columbia. Yep. I think it's Columbia. Is it Columbia? Where they've still got vehicles from like the 60s and 70s because that's when the import stopped and they haven't been able to have anything new since then. And you look at what they're doing with, with these vehicles. Some of them look pristine. They look absolutely brand new on the outside, but they're running 12 different vehicles internally to, to yep. you know, components from all these different vehicles that they've made, mashed together to make this thing still function. That would have ended up in a dump. <clears throat> you know, because they've had to out of necessity. You know, there's just, there hasn't been options. They don't have the option to go and buy a new one, apart from the fact that they're, um, climate doesn't really support that in terms of their, you know, the population. But uh, just the fact that there's so much, you know, ingenuity if they can do that. Yep. Um, it's yeah. It is. Um, They'll probably nearly do us. Yeah, pretty much. I just want to answer Brett in chat. What what uh, version of Android is that running? It's actually running um, a Clockwork Orange mod. So it's it's a modded phone anyway, which I had to do because of one of the terminal emulation programs I need to run to monitor a Bluetooth thing. So it's not a not a default one anyway. But um, it would be perfectly secure anyway because it's literally just runs. It's a phone. All I use it for is the phone and a couple other apps that I can't use on PC. It doesn't wouldn't matter if it wasn't secure. So um, yeah, so there's. It hasn't been a bad week um, this week. And so I actually had I actually had more stories, but I think we should end it because we're running long. But um, <laughs> thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Email is Glenn Will and Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com. 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. See you later. Bye.